Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin, and my guests tonight need absolutely no introduction, but I'm going to give them one anyway. They are the chefs and owners of one of Omaha's most most beloved restaurants and one of my favorite restaurants, Block 16. They are James Beard Award nominees, farm owners, creators of God knows how many daily specials at the restaurant, operators of the funniest social media account in Omaha, and you just might see them on the Food Network coming up sometime <laughs> soon. That's just a little teaser out there. Thank you. Of Block 16 fame, please welcome Jessica <laughs> Urban and Paul Urban. So before we even get started, and I know these two are going to deny this, but I'm going to say it because it's true. None of you would be in this room right now if it were not for these two. Back when this was just a fledgling little podcast, back in, I think it was the fall of 2019, I started this thing. And the first couple episodes, it was just like me having my friends on, and we were talking about burgers, and we talked about like the origin of the Runza and stuff. And then these guys came on the show. And all they knew of me at that point was just that I was some crazy guy on Twitter who just tweeted at them all the time and was like, I love your food so much. And they took a chance and came on the podcast. And that gave legitimacy to the show. I went back and actually looked. Within three months of you guys coming on the show, I had the chefs and owners of Kitchen Table, Virtuoso Pizzeria, Porky Butts, All Courant, and Yoshitomo on the podcast. So... You can deny it all you want, but the heavy hitters started coming on the show after Jess and Paul made their appearance. So thank you very much for all that you've done to grow this podcast, to grow this brand, and for just being awesome people. Thank oh, you, man. Dan. Of course. Well, thank you. We love, yeah. we, we love you. Yeah, thank yeah. you, man. And the same goes right back to you. Thank you for all you've done for the support of the culinary community in Omaha and that you continue to do. It's my pleasure. Okay, enough with the sappy stuff. Okay. Let, let's get into the question. So if anyone here has not been to Block 16, now you've had a poutine burrito tonight or you've had the mini version, so change that about your life and get down there. Uh, located about 16th and Farnham. Um, I, I'm just, I'm really interested about how you guys got into Block 16 because you both came into kind of the cooking game with fine dining backgrounds and... Your original idea, even for the restaurant, when you got Block 16, it wasn't going to be fine dining, but it was going to be like a French bistro or a gastro pub. And obviously, what you own now is is different than that. Can you 
just give the good people here just a quick backstory on how Block 16 came to be? Sure. <laughs> this is how a lot of interviews go. It's just, um, well, we, uh, we had been looking for a long time. Um, we started at in downtown Omaha, and as the rent got a little bit cheaper and cheaper as you moved further away from downtown Omaha, we landed at what is now Block 16, and we had, uh, we had every intention of finding a spot turning it into our dream, something kind of nicer, gastropub, you know, whatever. And we we actually called on what is now Table Grace and um, uh, just to check what the rent was, and it was substantially lower than anything we had heard. Like, we couldn't even believe that. We were like, we thought they were missing a couple zeros. And uh, so we went into New York Chicken and Gyro, which was open next door. And we're just we wanted like, hey, to ask about the landlord. Yeah, we're just like, how's the landlord? And they were like, well, we'll sell you this place, and it's already got a hood system. And so we were like, you know, let's do it. And so we, we moved forward with it, and we just kind of like, we had no money. We had we had negative money. And well, and I cried because I, Jessica it was cried. a Euro shop. And gr- gr- growing up in Canada, in high school, I worked at a Euro shop during lunch and after school. And I thought, I'm never going to work at a Euro burger shop ever again. And sure his, enough, it was burgers and Euros. I'm like, what? These yeah, but his Euros were awesome. They were amazing. And, uh, Truly. So we just kind of, like, we showed up at this place, and it had purple walls and black and white tile. And he had, like, he had like felt on the tables, and then he, like, glued plastic on top mm-hmm. of them. And he had, like, the menu, but then he... Like, had another menu, and I'm not knocking him. He was a, no, such a nice guy. No, but there was a lot of menus. But, yeah, then there was, like, another menu that was, like, kind of hanging up on the wall, and then there was another one with, like, all fried food. And it was, like, all this stuff. But we we were just like, well, we'll take over, and we'll work our day and our night jobs, and then we'll change it as we go. But, again, you know, we didn't, we didn't have any money, so all we had was, like, freezers and fridges full of food that came with the place. And so we were like, well, let's tighten up the menu a little bit and we'll start running specials and get rid of some of this product. And it was literally like we, you know, do $75 on a Monday. We'd pay to our two Paul's family. Yeah. They, they were our only customers. <laughs> and then, and we'd take, you know, whatever we could out of that 75 bucks and buy more product with it. And then just, it kept kind of growing from there. And, um, we thought we'd always get to our, our sort of fine dining gastro pub. Yeah, um, and Jess was working. She was painting full time, and she was working full time at the Twisted Cork. And I was the sous chef of the Omaha Country Club. So I mean, and this like this the place needed a lot of work. So we literally like we worked around the clock. We worked around the clock. It was like yeah. get there at six in the morning, clean, set up, cook till two, go to clean really jobs. fast, go to our other jobs, come back at night and finish cleaning, and then go to bed. And I mean, this was before kids, obviously, but it was <laughs> it was just a lot of work. And then the rest of it was really just going with it, you know, like. Yeah, people started, we started putting up, using the ingredients that were there and starting, started doing daily specials. And then people walking by and the old regulars started to try our food and trust us. Yeah. Then this guy, Johnny Perez, he works for like Politico now. He was a, a, a writer for the World Herald and he started to come in and we got to be really good friends with him. We called him Johnny Giro because he'd always come in and get two or three Giros. And he uh, was friends with Sarah Baker Hansen. So word got to her, and then she, and then it just kind of started to snowball from there. And then really, we just kind of took this attitude of just let's just go with it and do what we can. Like, like some, let's do sandwiches. Yeah. So we just started to do sandwiches, and then like somebody graffitied our bathroom, so we hired a graffiti artist to finish the job. Somebody, <laughs> yeah. You know, like That's we so just true. like. So we were. It was just kind of like let's just go with it and 
I mean, we didn't even have Facebook until like year four or five. Or, yeah, we maybe. just like hung about hang our specials outside and somebody was like you got to put this up well our sign kept getting stolen yeah, and broken and, <laughs> yeah so and we, we would just like cut pieces of wood and hang it out there knowing yeah. that someone was going to take paint, it paint it with black chalkboard paint yeah and uh and one of our customers said you guys need to get we didn't we had a flip phone but they said you need to get like an ipad or something and get a facebook account and start posting pictures so we yeah. we didn't really tr- trust in it but we were like okay well you know we'll do this she's like she was in social media um which was very early in its game back then and uh so we did it and that really built our business just yeah. posting on facebook yeah like we celebrated for hours the night we hit 200 followers it was just crazy <laughs> but it was you know what's really funny about that too is we had we still didn't have any money so we opened up a, a nebraska furniture mart card and we bought a camera and so every day we would take a picture with a, a pretty legit camera and then we'd like take the sd card out and hook it up to our computer. giant computer <laughs> and then post from there like we're really showing our age here and one morning i think jess was working or something she was food styling and I was like, I carried our steam table over. I got it plugged oh, in. I had the camera. Yes. And I plugged it in. I went to get water to fill it <clears throat> and start the day. And I was like working. <laughs> and then I smelled something. Burning and, plastic. Yeah. My, I had melted the camera. I plugged in the steam well. And I forgot to put water in it. But I had the camera <laughs> in there. So it just that. like melted. To, we still have it. In the basement. Yeah. It's like a trophy. But, oh, yeah. we had lots of things like that. Like we we used to again plug that. We got another camera, and then we plug the SD card into the computer. And then one unfortunate Saturday night, we left the hand sink running. And the next morning, we came in Sunday morning to do you know stuff that you do on Sunday mornings, and we had flooded block sixteen. And the office was in the basement, and so we picked up our monitor, and you could tip it, and water. came. Oh, yeah. So that's maybe when we got the iPad, I think. <laughs> it could that have was been. like year two or three or something. <clears throat> that was actually like, that was, I was there, we were yeah, both there was... late cleaning one night and Sorry. I was cleaning the oven. No, okay. oh, people don't, <laughs> no, one, no one here wants to hear me talk. They want stories from you guys. So if I don't say another word, that's a win for everyone. <laughs> so we were, we used to have to do everything. So we were there like deep cleaning one night. We had, we got a new oven. And it wasn't new. It was actually, they found it in, like, the middle of a field. Yeah. And Kelly's. Kelly's. Yeah. And so, like, we had it delivered because our other one had had gone. Had died. To, had died. We had it. We had our friends bring it. And then Chef Lionel Jave, who's Truly. the best chef that Omaha will probably ever see. He is 80 years old at the time, was there. Hooked up the gas with us, not legal at all. Got it all cleaned up. We were scrubbing the hail damage rust spots <laughs> yeah, off yeah. of it. This so, is true. So we were there late one night, and we were cleaning the inside of it. And I was inside of the oven, and I was, like, <laughs> spraying it with this chemical that no one should breathe in ever. And I had, like, set it down, and I was scrubbing, and then I picked it back up, and I had sprayed myself in the face with it. So I ran over to the hand sink, and I was like, oh. And I was like, screw this, I'm out of here. And I left. And the next day, that we was- actually, we we had my grandpa's funeral and we went we came to block 16 after in our clothes and i'll never forget yeah we were like dressed up nice and we walked in and i we looked in and jessica like laughed and she's like what's that like the floor was and the floor was just covered in water so i had left the hand sink on we we flooded all of block 16 like it was so bad called the insurance company and they sent down this this company and they had like just drilled all the holes in the wall and they had plugged everything in and they plugged in their last dehumidifier and all of the lights went out. 
And I was like, oh, man, like, we must have blown a fuse. So I opened up the back door to kind of let some natural light in. And I'm like, man, like, downtown looks really dark right now. I'm like, did we blow all of the fuses? <laughs> and uh, it was, it ended up being that, it was like national news. It was in the New York Times, like. Yeah, this was like 10 or 11 years ago. When yeah, downtown. it was like several blocks away. A rat had chewed through a line, and there was a, this famous picture of a manhole cover that had like blown like eight feet in the air, and it shut down all of downtown Omaha yeah. for three days. So three days. all of our food is in our cooler. It's raining at that point. We have water everywhere. Yeah. So we're like... Brutal beginnings, people. Brutal yeah, beginnings. Yeah. So we were like... Navy, well, I don't want to compare us to Navy SEALs. We were people <laughs> with flashlights. <laughs> going throughout the night just candles, like in there no, like candles from yeah. supermercado oh yeah yeah because we, yes. we did the blessings one <laughs> we yeah because we, we had we to needed. we had to bring everything to our house that yeah. we could we filled my mom's fridge we filled our fridge we yeah. filled my sister's fridge and it was just like that for three days it was no so we were out you know a week basically mm-hmm. with no with nothing that's so. how we began dan open a restaurant they said <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i mean clearly you've Move past that stage, very, very successful now. But what I kept hearing there was just there's all these pivot points. Something goes wrong, but you just have to pivot, and you have to keep finding a way to make it happen even when there's disaster, there's calamity. Yeah. Yes. How did you guys learn to embrace the, the overall pivot in that, okay, we're, we're not going to have fine crazy. dining, then we're not going to have our French bistro, we're going to have a sandwich shop. How did you learn to embrace that and say Block 16 might not be what it, what our original idea was, but this is our thing now. This is it. We got to go with this. I think partially because selling sandwiches was paying the bills. And we also enjoyed that type of service, mm-hmm. um, I think. And we were able to put things um, from fine dining that you'd normally put on a plate in between two buns, which was super fun. Well, I think it's like, it's the attitude too, because I'll tell kids this all the time that are like getting into it. And it's like, you, you can't go into it with a backup plan. You know what I mean? Like you're already giving up on yourself if, if you've got like, okay, if this doesn't work Mm -hmm. exactly how we want it, then we're going to go do this. And then you're just going to fail where we were like, we're going to do this. And there's nothing like we literally had no backup plan. Jessica has a whole (laughs) skill set. I have nothing else. Like I would, (laughs) there would have been nothing. So comedy. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, so it really was just like it's whatever it takes, man. We're we're gonna get it done, and as long as we get to keep our standards with everything, it's. And you'll notice that about chefs too, especially uh, savory chefs, because it's a constant pivot when you're cooking. So you have to be able to do that, I think, to be successful. I love what you just brought up, Jess, because it's something that I wanted to talk about tonight. Is yes, you can look at the Block Sixteen menu, and there's a there's a you know, uh, a fry basket that has Doritos and Dorothy Lynch dressing on it. And you have a special with a waffle cone stuffed with meat inside a burrito. Like there's wild stuff out there, but there's also a lot of specials that have like duck cone fee, birria beef, and shaved prime rib. Like these are fine dining elements that you're finding a way to like repurpose and incorporate into sandwiches and burritos and wraps and stuff like that. Like, how did you come to that realization that we can take the fine dining, we can take what we love about cooking, and we can introduce it in a totally different way to a crowd that normally might not ever expose themselves to this food? I think it's because that's what we want to eat. Like, we would eat that. Like, that sounds good to us. Yeah, it's just a lot of staff meals over the years at fine dining restaurants. It's like, you know, whatever's 
you have some pulled beef and some risotto and you have bread, so you right. just take a sandwich and, you know, right. and it's like, well, we should share this with some people. So, yeah. How does Block 16 allow you to express yourself as chefs in a way that maybe owning a fine dining restaurant wouldn't? I don't know. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a very that's good a question. Deep question Dan. I'm very philosophical. Yeah. No, I mean, because I, I, don't, I, I don't know that a fine dining would restrict us either. No, but I do think that, like, we have gained, like, such a cool following doing the food that we do that might be a little more approachable than in fine dining. So that That's it, we've got a pretty large, a large following now and the, and people trust us. And so that's been a, that's been really nice that we can like, you know, you can't just open up a restaurant and serve chicken heart tacos, but like we can do that because we have, you know, a lot of people that are like, okay, well I've tried weird stuff with them before so we can try it now. <laughs> they didn't fail me last time. Right, yeah, well, yeah, and yeah. that's how we started getting busy, honestly, was those chalkboard things and, and the old customers from New York Chicken and Euros were like, uh, I, I've had the, the burger. Okay, I trust it. I'll try this. And then, you know, it just grew from there. Yeah. Word of mouth and people trying and trusting. So Block 16 is... Uh, 14 years old now. You guys have, have been... It'll be 13 in November. Oh, boy. One you month. Got emba- Just go with it, man. Now <laughs> I'm embarrassed in front of all these people. <laughs> Math was never my strong suit, clearly. Okay, so almost 13. I'm only off by two years. Uh, you, you've mentioned, you know, there were kind of some early struggles. You had to earn the trust of people. When did you feel like you hit your stride? When did you feel like Block 16 really became Block 16? After all, I mean, that's tough. Yeah, because I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel satisfied. Like, I don't feel like we've hit it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we've got a lot of work to do. There's a lot that we have, we have such a cool line situation right now with our cooks that they're running the line better than we ever did. And like, they're doing a great job. We have the best crew in Omaha right now. And I'm saying it and I'm jinxing it. And they're probably all going to quit when we get done here. But, (laughs) but it's like, it just goes to show you that like, we have a lot of, we have, there's a lot to do and there's a lot of room to grow. And, but I do think that I feel like we, we had some really good press. And then when Alton mm-hmm. Brown came in, we've talked about it before, but he just really like put us from, you know, we were doing like 200 people a day to like sometimes yeah. 500 people a day. And it was, and it just like didn't stop, you know what I mean? So, and we had hit that five year mark and, you know, when you open a business, like we were just terrified the one year and then three year and. So that I would also say confidence. like when the nasty negative one star Yelp reviews stop bothering me, that's like, <laughs> that's when the, like, I think we kind of hit our stride when it was just like, you know what? I'm like, who cares? So it, if anyone doesn't know what Paul's referencing when he says Alton Brown, Alton Brown, famous food network personality, uh, good eats was a show that was uh, very, very popular for many years. And he was doing some kind of tour back in 2015 and he came and ate at block. I'm giving you the very short version of the story, but came and ate at block 16, had the croque garçon burger, and called it his favorite burger in the country. As you might expect, that can kind of blow up a restaurant's sales a little bit. So you guys were already churning out great food, but that just kind of gave you the visibility where it was like, oh, you know, I, I haven't eaten at block 16. I need to go try it. And then that's when, you know, the, the snowball starts rolling yeah. down the hill mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. And he actually was the one, he posted that on Instagram, which we didn't have because we didn't 
you know, follow suit with our, the times. Yeah, he was our and, first follower. Yeah, he told us <laughs> yeah. right then Not and there. We had yeah. a friend in the lobby that knew how to figure that out, and he put it on our phone, and, and Alton followed us, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm curious, Paul, you say that you've got the best team of line cooks and, mm-hmm. and just cooks in Omaha, you think. What are the traits that make them so great? What, what makes them able to function as a team so well? You know, I'm not positive. They're all, they all get along really well. We all get along very well. We're, we're all in, we all have the same mindset of like, we're here to, we're here to cook and we're here to make sure that the food is safe and, and delicious and it's getting out in a timely manner. And uh, everyone has the same amount of respect for each other. There's no like. Totally. And like team player, like you hear that word all the time. Like I'm a team player, be a team player, but a team player is managing the success of your teammates. You're all working together. It's like clockwork. If there's a gear that gets stuck, you don't fault the gear, you fix the gear. And I feel like our team and our team leader right now, they work as a team through respect. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're just, I mean, they're very, very focused on the line and it's, it's good to see. I mean, and if any, and they're, they're great at holding each other accountable too. If somebody, including me, I'll come up there and (laughs) I've always got something dumb to say. And I'm like, Oh, you guys want to hear this? And they'll be like, chef, not right now. We're busy. And you know what I mean? And I love that. I think that's so cool because they've, you got a line down the street and people aren't, you know, you got to wait in line for 30 minutes. You don't want to wait another 30 minutes for your food. So. Well, I did hear Wyatt the other day. I was on fourth station picking up special and he was leading the line and he, the, the order was waiting. And so I heard someone ask him, you know, what are we waiting on chef? And he knew it was me. <laughs> so he was like, you know, just really quietly. And he was being so patient with me, but, um, you know, he, he watches those things and, and knows when food is coming and yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys mentioned that the the daily specials were kind of born out of necessity almost because you had this extra food and you were like, well, we have it. We don't have any money, so let's use this food. Let's repurpose it. Now, I would, I would probably argue that's probably what Block 16 is best known for is just that at 10.15, you know, you can get on Instagram or get on Facebook sometime between 10.15 and 10.30 and there's going to be that post and it's going to be something that's going to just grab your attention, whether it's the picture or it's the components that are in this sandwich or burrito or whatever it is. It's going to be something that's going to catch your attention. This isn't just going to be, you know, a grilled cheese or your standard burger. Um, why, why, like, how do you think that became the backbone of the restaurant? Like, it starts off as something as necessity, and now it's like, this is what we're known for. How, like, where, how did that evolve, do you think? I think a lot of it had to do with, um, I mean, like, our, our initial dream, like, that we one of the things we wanted to do is like open up a restaurant where we change the menu every single week almost you know like Okaran does it it's right. like whatever you get in that's what you put out and you know you can't really do that as much with a sandwich shop that serves a lot of the same people over and over and so, but you still have all this stuff that you need to get out of your head and so it's like having a daily special you can still like you know oh my god I wanted to I really wanted to do something with steak this week oh my god I really wanted to you know whatever and I want to so try this. A, I want to make this. Yeah, it was just a good way to like keep the creativity going and you know, the freedom of it. Well, you guys have inspired a lot of people because I have I've had many restaurant owners and chefs on my show who have who don't have tasting menu restaurants, but they have 
barbecue restaurants or another sandwich shop or something. And they're constantly trying to come up with specials because they're like, that's how you create interest in a menu. If, so, if a customer comes in every time and they have the same options, then they might come, you know, once or twice a month, maybe. But if there's constantly something new to keep their attention and make them go to Facebook at 10, 15 in the morning and be like, I wonder what, you know, what special's coming out. That's how you can really get those repeat customers. Or you might get somebody who wasn't going to come in who all of a sudden decides to. What does it mean to you guys that you have kind of become that inspiration? Because I, I've had what I just said. So many chefs tell me on the podcast, and they always reference Block 16. They're like, Block 16 is the OG. They cracked the code. They figured it out. That's how we model our posts after. Like, what does it mean to you guys to be that inspiration for so many other places? Who's, who's ripping us off? <laughs> I, I can start naming no, names. I think that's so cool. It really is. Because we just, we did, like I said, we did it for all the right reasons. And we still do it for all the right reasons. We, you know, it's Yeah, we and we just, fun. we're just like, everyone will always say about the Facebook post, like, oh, you know, who, who's your content creator and who came up with that? And like, Paul is just naturally funny. And there's some mornings, there's some days where we, weeks where we know what we're going to do all week. There's some days where we know what we're going to do for one or two days. But there's some mornings we get up and we don't have a special and we're like, we, what are we going to do today? Like, you know, we get to work and, and it's literally quickly make it, take a picture real quick. And Paul just tech, like puts it out there and it's just natural what's in his head. There was like, I think not having an agenda and just letting it be natural. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the specials too, like before we had kids, we had dogs and uh, we would always walk our dogs and we'd always be talking and walking and talking about food. And that's how a lot of specials rolled off. You know, like, what about this? Like, I feel like eating this. What, what, what about if we put this on it? And, uh, and it was all very organic. And, you know, a lot of it stemmed from cravings. And I think when, when Paul posts, well, <laughs> when Paul posts, it is natural. And some people will say, like, you know, again, it's like, you know, who does your content and this and that. And it's like, well, nobody. We just are just doing it because that's where someone told us to advertise and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. So, But it is really cool. It's just cool to know that you're an inspiration for anybody, honestly. And it, it's, we've had, we've had, we've got a lot of friends in the industry and, you know, a lot of people do say some really nice stuff. And it's, it's cool that, that you know, because we, we get inspire, inspiration from other people too, so. I think God is the only person who knows how many specials you guys have come up with (laughs) over the past, you know, uh, 13 years. But when you think of, like, your favorite ones or the ones that stand out, what are a couple that just pops right to the – there are some that you're thinking of right now that come right to the front of your brain. What are they? poutine burrito, right? That was a special. Let's talk about the origin of the poutine burrito because this this was a a point of contention between you two at at, at its origin. It was. Yeah. Um, Jessica's Canadian. And a purist for poutine. all things poutine, and she one of her favorite hobbies is showing disgust in my ideas. <laughs> and so, I had this idea because I'm from Omaha, and like we put everything in a burrito. And I'm like, you know, and I love poutine, and like, I, well, and in Canada, our version of a burrito was not good. So. Yeah, they didn't. Where she came from, there wasn't. There just wasn't a whole lot of burritos. So I had this idea doing the poutine burrito and it was like i thought it was really fun and it sounded good and then she just was like what what and then like made it even worse by like 
I remember like she was like taking the photo while on the phone with her mom and she's like, can you believe this? <laughs> like, and I don't think we were married yet. Like she was like, I don't even like, what if he asked me to marry him? Like it was like, complete... and my mom was siding with me. Yeah. She's, she's like, like oh, yeah, why would you do that? Awful. And then we sold like a thousand of them and it was like, it was probably the third, fourth greatest day of my life. <laughs> Wedding and the two kids being born. This was like, I think about it all the time. I thought about it on the way here. Yeah, so a lot of our specials become main menu. Like, if they're that successful, we'll run them again and then again, and then and then we'll get usually enough people messaging us. Yeah, so, I like the chicken and waffle and mac and cheese burrito only because I like to see how many burrito. people it upsets. Like, right. there's always like <laughs> a thousand people who are like, "Oh, this looks so crazy and good," and then there's like forty people that share it and they're like. This is disgusting, <laughs> and it's and it's just like they're like really mad that we did this, and I was like, I gotta make payroll, man. Like, we're serving it, you know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Nothing really comes. It's it's hard because there have been so many. We started a book. Um, we started collecting them, and we're at four thousand I mean, specials, at least. by the way. Yeah, and, a little over 4,000. Yeah, so the, it's it's a big book. But we look at some of those early ones, and you forget. Like, you just forget because you're thinking of it every single day, something new every single day. And um, to go back and, and see some of our older stuff, which still, we you know, still seems completely awesome and relevant, like we totally run it again. Um, but to pick one is, is really tricky. Yeah. Uh, just running through, I think I only went back, I don't know, six months or so. I was just running through specials because I, th- there are many that are like the kind of like the things that I mentioned before. Like there could be a, a sandwich with duck confit or, you know, a beef birria burrito, like stuff that is like just really interesting. And it kind of takes that fine dining and, and brings it into an approachable level. And then there's just the crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, so here's a couple that I found a peanut butter chicken burrito. Taco mac and cheese, or my personal favorite, was a sandwich where the buns were two crab rangoon crunch wraps and sweet and sour fried chicken was in the middle. Yeah. That, that was a sandwich. Like, so it's, it's one thing to say, you know, this is the stuff that we wanted in fine dining, and now we're bringing it to this level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With specials like this, where are those coming from? Well, and we have to mention, though, too, like, for the longest time, it was just Paul and myself. And then, then the staff started doing specials. Mm. And a recent special a staff member came up with, which was two... Uh, oh, yeah, the pork schnitzel yeah, tacos. Pork, he, so it was literally pork schnitzel pounded out and then fried like a taco <laughs> and filled. And you yeah. got two of them. One, one, what was it filled with? Uh, German potato salad. Oh, yeah. oh there you go. Uh, yeah. Some house pickles. As, as one does. It, it was good. And it, it was, was very good. Juan, Juan Carlos Ibarra, he works for us and he's amazing. And he works at camp as well. Oh, okay. And the guy's always like, because not everyone feels comfortable doing it. We're like, when we hire people, we're like, come up with specials. We'll help you. Well, we love it. You know, it's fun. But a lot of people are just like, I just want to cook for a couple years. And or it's like nerve wracking. Yeah. But Juan's just like, I want to make tacos out of schnitzels. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we can do that. So, yeah, so it's, it's always nice when, yeah, they throw down. Well, I imagine, I mean, not only is it a benefit for you guys in that you, you know, get to show their creativity to the world, but it's, it's meaningful to them, too, where it's not just like, oh, I'm coming into work and somebody's telling me what to make, what to make, but they get to express their creativity. And I'm sure, right. I'm sure that there, you have many employees who, like you said, are just like, I just want to cook for a little while. I just want to make some money. That's all I want. But there are some who 
definitely have yes. culinary aspirations. And to be able to have that platform at Block 16 to be able to create their dishes and have those released to the public, I imagine that just, I mean, that makes team morale just go through the roof, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah so, we've had yeah. some just stellar staff over the years um, that have gone on to do really amazing things, and we're, we couldn't be more proud. Yeah, we, we learn a lot along the way, too. It's always like... Yeah, I mean, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. Anyone who listens to this podcast or follows me on social media knows that I enjoy my fair share of decadent meals and delicious desserts. And that's why it's really important to me to eat really clean between big meals. And that is one of the main reasons I love Certified Piedmontese. Piedmontese cattle have extra muscle mass, which allows them to maintain a rich tenderness without much fatty marbling. In fact, ounce for ounce, certified Piedmontese beef has fewer calories and more protein than salmon. Don't believe that healthy food can taste this good? Just try it. When you order off certifiedpiedmontese.com, use the promo code HOPPEN, that's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. You will taste the difference for yourself. If you are looking for steak, roasts, tenderloins, bacon, and more, Check out CertifiedPiedmontese.com and experience the Certified Piedmontese difference today. And now, back to my guest. So I want to talk a little bit about time, because time is the resource that none of us think that we have enough of. But there are some people who just seem to have infinite amounts of it. And that, to, to me, you guys seem like that. I'm sure it doesn't seem like that to you. <laughs> but you are the parents to two adorable girls. You own a restaurant. You own a farm. You recently purchased land in Canada. You travel quite a bit. I mean, that seems impossible for two people to... And I didn't even mention your, you've got the photography going on, the food photography as well. That seems impossible for two people to take that much on. But you guys are doing it, and you're thriving. And I think it's because you're so good at prioritizing your time. I know there's no secret to doing that. But like, what would you say allows you to best manage your time so you're able to take on all these different things? I think it's kind of like just the people we are for one, because we have, we have a lot of friends that it's like Sunday's my day off. This is what I do. Mm. Uh, we have friends that watch football from 6 a.m. until oh, midnight. It <laughs> yeah, whatever. And that, and it's, sometimes I'm, I'm jealous, but I, it's just not in us because we'll have like, you know, maybe my mom will watch the kids, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're like, okay, it's Sunday. Mom's got the kids until 6 p.m. Like, let's just lay in bed and watch a movie by like seven thirty in the morning. We're like, oh, we should just go pull a few weeds and we should just go, you <laughs> yeah. know, and we enjoy yeah, it. Like this Sunday we like, went out three times yeah, to, we tore we're the trying to tear out, out the garden and it was hot, but we went out and yeah. got it done. So there's that. And it's just, I think we, we just have a lot of goals and aspirations and, you know, we, we love being on the farm. Like that's, that's something, we, you know, we've said before that everyone for a long time is like, what's the next thing? What are you, you going to open another Block 16? Are you going to open this? And I almost feel like the farm is like what our next yeah. thing is. It's Goods it's that become, come out of there. Yeah, it's become a, a just, it's become everything for us. It's for the kids. It's for the, the earth. It's for the restaurant. It's for us. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's. Well, I think we've always like had a busy schedule in our childhood and in our young adult, like working several jobs, mm-hmm. um, just keeping busy, staying busy. I think like for me, especially 
I get, you know, I've had episodes in my life where I felt very sad. And I mean, I think that's not, you know, it's a lot of people in the business have. And I think that propelling yourself forward, like I'm constantly in, in a forward motion and that makes me happy, you know, and just, just continuing to build and to do things. Right. And yeah. Prioritizing. Sure. Like with our kids, especially we, we try yeah. to, you know, put them first ahead of anything when, when, um, obviously we have to go to work, but, um, big time and then just filling our days with things that we like and and we like everything we're doing that's the thing and at work like i love being at block 16 mm-hmm. it's it's a great atmosphere and you're doing what you love like you get to go to work and cook mm-hmm. so or work well, with food i know like when i first started like i i i sat down at I had a table at a convenience store by my parents house when i was signing up for culinary school and i was like i'm gonna do this and I remember having like the thought in my head that like I'm just gonna give everything up like I'm not gonna be able to go to family functions I'm not gonna I, I don't know anyone that would marry me I'm, there's no way I'm gonna have kids because you just work this is what you sign up for at least that was my mentality and now I'm like and I'm like 40 and I can have a few days off and I have kids and now I'm just like we gotta do everything let's get some land in Canada and I want to learn how to hunt and I see you know what I mean it's like we're we just feel so blessed that it's like now we're like, oh, are we going to run out of time? We got to go yeah, do, that is do true. all of our fun stuff. You, so. That is true. Like you're constantly thinking you're going to run out of time. So Plus with like, the traveling, like we have been blessed with uh, our kids are incredible. And they're incredible travelers. Incredible diners. Incredible diner. Their favorite restaurant in Omaha is Okaron. They they ordered, the last time we were there, Two three rounds of oysters. oysters. We had to, like, stop them because we're like, we can't afford this. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But, like, they've we took them to New York. They had three Michelin stars. They did a three-and-a-half-hour tasting menu. So that makes that makes it all easier when you have they're like really, our friends they're cool too, kids. Yeah. Well, I, I, wa- I want to touch on that real quick because I, I feel like we baby kids palates so much most restaurants have a kids menu where it's maybe a burger and fries and chicken fingers and grilled cheese you know the same five or six items and yet you got your girls are what six and four uh just now five and seven five and seven more bad research no just like they were last time we saw you they were six and four okay thank you you're you're covering for me (laughs) learn from her paul (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) uh but 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 anyway they're eating caviar they're eating oysters they're going to and experiencing tasting menus like how cheese they love it all yeah how important was that to you guys to expand their palates and not just be like okay this is what kids eat so this is what you guys are going to have but there's this whole world of culinary and we want to show it to you. I think they love our excitement for it. And yeah. It, and was, I, it was important. It was very important from the get-go. We just wanted them to eat everything. But that, like all this being said, we don't claim to be like incredible parents. We try our best. And we're very lucky that our kids like to eat like this right now. But I... I mean, I'm pretty sure I'd love them the same if they didn't. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'm not insinuating that yeah, you yeah. wouldn't love your kids if they didn't eat oysters. Well, you, you just don't ever want to be one of those guys. It's like, yeah, my kid, they eat everything. They're so, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, okay. I, we, we, we are feel so lucky. Proud of them. Yeah, yeah, we feel lucky that they did that. But we have worked hard at it. We have. We, you know, they don't they don't get screen time. They they don't get when you're at a restaurant, you're there to converse and to enjoy the company and enjoy the food. And again, to each his own, but that's but just that's how we But that's our thing. It. Yeah. You know, that's our thing that with ourselves and, and to enjoy with them is that whole 
what you love about dining with your friends and your family. You get to sit and laugh and tell stories. To talk about and, what you're going to eat later. Yeah, you yeah know. what tastes good. Yeah. Steal off each other's plates. and you know. yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're so fun, and we're pretty lucky so far. Okay, so speaking of Evie, who's one of your daughters, your elder daughter, you had a special on August oh. 25th <laughs> that you claimed that Evie came up with. It looked absolutely delicious. It was a fried chicken leg with cheddar, mayo, barbecue sauce, pickles, and a charred sweet corn slaw on an herb and cheddar biscuit. Yep. Now, we're all friends here, so we can be honest with each other. <laughs> what percent of that was Evie's creation, and how much help did she get from mom and dad? 95. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We, we charred the corn, and... Uh, we put herbs in the biscuit, but no, she was like, this is what I want. And that we'll yeah. debone the leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Because she wanted the leg, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, she just, like, they both, they think, I mean, what, last week they were like, for our cold lunch this week, can you pack pickled herring? And, and crackers. Crackers. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, yeah. no. <laughs> You're going to get kicked out of school for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, they they, they know what yeah. they like. They, they, they order for themselves. They... Completely, yes. They're very creative. Evie's especially, you know, being older. She's super creative. I mean, yesterday she literally rummaged through the house and found a bunch of items to sell at a farm stand. And where we live, we get about five vehicles a day. And she's like, we have to do it at the end of our driveway because there's nothing else around. So where else are people going to get food? And I'm like, well, people really can't stop at the end of our driveway. But anyway, she made the signs and came up with a farm stand and um, all the items that she was going to sell. And we all uh, hauled it all down to the end of the driveway at 6.30 p.m. last night. And yeah, she sold sold one package of eggs. Yep. Sounds like a great time. But the eggs were a dollar and a little thing of honey was $10. (laughs) So it was like, (laughs) we'll have to work on it. We'll work on those profit (laughs) margins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I'm I'm curious because, you know, you guys talked about all the struggles when you first opened. And it, it, this is a very difficult life. Paul, you talked about you thought you were going to have to give up everything to mm-hmm. be in, in culinary. Yep. And it seems like, you know, your girls are, are definitely taking towards it. I'm sure on some level, you know, because you guys love food so much, that's exciting. And you're like, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they'll get into this. But then the other side, of, the, yeah, the other <laughs> side of you is just like, we've seen what this is and what this does to people. Do you... And maybe you haven't made this d- decision yet because they're still very young, but do you try and nudge them away from restaurant life? Do you just let them do whatever they want to do? Like, kind of what, what's your plan in terms of showing them all the possibilities that they could have? I mean, I think that personally, I feel like you could say this yeah. about almost any line of work. You know what I mean? Anyone can complain and like, oh my God, don't do that for a living. That's the last thing you want to do. I just want them to be happy. So if they want to cook, then... They can cook, and I can help them. We're not, Anything we else, I can't yeah, help them. Yeah, so. I don't think we force them any, yeah. in any direction with <clears throat> anything they're doing. But we do love cooking with them and cooking for them and, and yeah. love that they're excited about food. And Evie, one of our favorite things lately is Paul will pull up a, a YouTube video or a TikTok of somebody cooking. You're really <laughs> showing our age. And, uh, and she'll just freak out. She's just like, oh my gosh, we have to This make is that. part of the no screen time thing, though. She actually uh. gets to look at a phone and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> but she seriously, she's like, he's going to put an egg in it. She's going to put an egg in it. And it's, it is a lot of fun to watch. So. Yeah. <clears throat> something else that I think we have to hit on tonight for people on social media, for people in this room, is something that you brought up probably about 10 minutes, Paul, and you mentioned a second location. 
and I know you guys get asked all the time, when are we opening a second block 16? Why don't you open a second block 16 in West Omaha? I don't want to go downtown. Open a block 16 closer to me. I want you guys to be able to use this platform right now to tell people why there hasn't been a second block 16 and just how difficult and honestly dangerous it is for a restaurant, even just going from one to two locations. Well, for us... (laughs) That challenging of a question? (laughs) For for us as a couple, um, one of the things with Block 16 and when we opened, we enjoyed doing it. We enjoyed going to work together. We enjoyed working with each other and cooking and running the business. And um, we enjoy the time that we do have at work. I mean, even though we may not be talking for most of the day, we still get to be near each other and see each other. And if we opened a second location, number one, that's gone. And so sort of that romantic notion and that, that passion uh, of actually physically doing the work, having our hands in the work, um, having it part of our you know, livelihood, it becomes then business and it becomes managing and it becomes managing two locations and it takes away some, from some of that passion that um, I think keeps us going and keeps us inspired. Um, and now obviously with kids, it would they wouldn't see us. I mean, we'd have to do it, you know, um, the hours that we put in in the beginning of Block 16, we'd have to do that all over again. And it's not to say that we haven't looked at other locations and that part of us... Yeah, we look all the time. Yeah, that we want to do that or do a different concept, but... Yeah, the truth is, like, I could literally name 50 restaurants right now that were awesome and open up a second location and it sunk them. You know what I mean? Like, and it'll sink both places. And that's a real risk. And it doesn't matter how good you're doing with a restaurant. Every restaurant out there is one bad month away from closing. And that's just the truth. Because the overhead, it comes. The bills are there. They, yep. they need to keep coming. If, you, if you're slow, you still have to pay that, that overhead. Yeah. And so it's like, that's great. You know, and then for two, you're never, ever going to find someone that cares as much as you. You just won't. I, you can hire Thomas Keller to go run the second block 16. He's one of the greatest chefs in the world. And he just isn't going to get it. You know what I mean? And it's not, the quality is not going to be the same. It can be close, but I mean, we've been approached a thousand times to franchise and and we could have cashed in and walked away, but like we we never signed up for this for the money. And the only reason we would do another block 16 would be for money and it would be for all the wrong reasons. And so we we like to be there and we like to be hands-on and I love that. And I would like to personally apologize because I used to be one of those people yeah. who would always be like, come come open one next to me. I'll be yeah, there yeah. every day. But it, it makes Block 16 all the more special because it's like, I don't have time to go downtown every day. But when I do, it's even more special now. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've gone about 45 minutes and barely mentioned something amazing that happened earlier this year. You guys were nominated for a James Beard Award. Now, oh, okay, let's applaud. It sounds like it sounds like there's pretty good awareness in this room, but if anyone is unaware, the James Beard Awards are like the Grammys, the Emmys, you know, whatever major award you want to compare in the food world, that's what the Beard Awards are. How did you guys find out and what were those initial emotions? It was amazing. It was uh Cause that's another thing that like when we kind of went down the road of block 16, it's like, well, we're giving up on all of that. Like you're never going to get a Michelin star. You're never going to get a James Beard nomination. Like we don't, you know, you just, that just doesn't happen. And we, we were 
getting interviewed, and this there's a Milford magazine did a story on us, and they were and if you look like, at like yeah. if you like Google us or look at any picture of us, Jess is always smiling. She has a beautiful smile, and I just don't smile. I just kind of like, <laughs> and but we were like getting interviewed, and they were taking our pictures, and my phone started to go off, and it was Tim Nicholson from the Boiler Room, and he's like, "Dude, you guys got a James Beard nomination." I thought he was like just being a jerk, and but then like <laughs> other people started to text you and Dave Utterback, and he's like, "Dude, you guys blah blah," and so then in that Milford magazine, like we're just like red like, and glowing and giant smiles through the whole thing, and like because yeah, so. we stopped the interview, we were like, "We we have we have to acknowledge this, yeah, we're freaking out." It was crazy, so yeah, that's how we found out, and it was so exciting. How, like, what does that mean in terms of validation for you guys, especially, you know, knowing that you had an original dream, you pivoted, and you were still able to achieve this, you know, this thing that so many chefs chase. Everybody wants it. So few get it. Mm-hmm. And you were still able to get there. Like, how validating was it that you did the right thing? I mean, validating, but, everything. like, shocking. Yeah, like, yeah. Just, like, still shocking. He's just like, is that, I think does that really happen? We were kind of at a point where we're like, we're, we're happy with who we are and we're happy with what we're doing and we're proud of what we do and we don't expect anything else. And so when that happened, it was just kind of like the best, you know, because it wasn't, we, we don't, we never looked, we we're never like, oh, you know, maybe we'll get nominated this yeah. year. It was just kind of like. We looked to see who, you know, all the other chefs and congratulate the people in, in Omaha. And, yeah, but and it was never a thought. So it was really, really, really special. You mentioned the other ones in Omaha. Now, Omaha has had chefs be nominated for the Beard Awards mm-hmm. before, but I think the most we'd had was two in one year, maybe three. This year we had four. You two, and then mm-hmm. Dave Utterback from Yoshitomo and Koji, and then Kane Akison, who yep. runs the Kano pop-up, and David actually advanced and went to the awards ceremony. There are like multiple rounds where restaurants have to advance, and Dave went to the awards ceremony. I think it was in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, How important, and what do you? What does it mean to you guys to see Omaha's food scene start to get that kind of recognition, where three or four restaurants or concepts from this city are being named among the best in the Midwest? It's amazing and well deserved and long time coming. Really. So, I mean, again, that goes back to thanking people like you for bringing awareness. <laughs> you do not need to thank me <laughs> that well, Omaha is like getting beard podcast. nominations. Well, recognition. <laughs> you might be giving this a little too much credit. <laughs> but, yes, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be the trumpet for whatever small portion of the audience is listening to me. But <laughs> I, I just think it's amazing. And, and you guys have honestly led that charge. And, it was really interesting going back to the podcast that we did almost four years ago now in 2019. And something that you guys talked about on that show was how your your class and kind of the years around you at Metro has really kind of come together and reshaped kind of what the Omaha cooking community looks like. And that's not to say that it wasn't great before because, you know, there were the Mm. Dario's, the Glenn Wheeler's, the Jenny Coco's. They were already already doing their thing. Mm -hmm. But the wave that came in with you guys where it's, you know, it's Ben Maids, it's Joel Marr, Craig Hoffman, you guys, you kind of came in and, and helped take things a step further. What do you think was it about that class that kind of helped transform the Omaha restaurant scene? Well, I don't think you should give Ben Maids too much credit. <laughs> okay, forget Ben Maids. <laughs> ben is Paul's best friend. Yeah, so. yeah, true, yeah. Um, 
I don't know what it was. I, I, I don't know. I just, we all, we all, clicked. we all took it seriously yeah. and we all, you know, we all had that mentality of like, we're, we're going to do it. Like Ben, he, he was like, he opened up a restaurant with me right after culinary school. And he was just like, I got this opportunity in Denver or in Vail. And he's like, I'm going to go cause I want to learn. And then he just like, I mean, that guy has worked in, yeah, like Northern Italy. He worked at Cyrus, which was like the best restaurant in the world. He he was in Napa for years. He's like, he's done all of this. And then he just brought it all back to Omaha. And I think that's what it was, is that we were all like. Ambitious. Ambitious, yeah. And we really love this city. And, you know, I grew up here and I've always loved this city, but there's never been like, there's been great restaurants, but there's, it just seemed like we were like a few years behind everybody else. You know what I mean? And the more you travel and you move around and you see like, it's like, God, why don't we have a tasting menu restaurant? Why don't we have a cool omakase? And like now I think other people have seen that too. Like Utterback, well, you know. Like the passion, like look at David's passion, like the passion yeah. and the grit. Like, you know, I think Benny in the same boat, he's, he's doing the grind. He's not making much money and he's doing it for the food, for the love of food, for the love of cooking. And I think that's like, there was a lot of, um, chef driven restaurants and you'll hear that term, but that's exactly what it is. It's chefs who are driven to, to provide this, this fabulous food or food that they would eat, food that they want their friends to eat, food they want other chefs to eat. And I think these guys all have it. Joel, yeah, I mean, the mentality like, between us has all changed a lot, too, because when I was a kid working in kitchens, it was just like, you work here, you eat here, you don't talk to any other chefs, you don't tell anyone you like any other restaurant, this is where you cook. It was and this competition. Is where, yeah, and now we're like, dude, I'll tell you all of my favorite restaurants. You know, you know what I mean? We all care about each other, and we all want everyone to do well, so. Yeah. When do you think that shift occurred, and, I, I and, and, why, and why did it occur? The camaraderie, yeah, the camaraderie, I think the the culinary school was a big part of it because we were all together and we all then started, hey, I need this or can you share this or can I order this from you? Can you get extra in? Yeah, we all kind of started with the same nothing. Yes. That's the thing, the grit and the drive, you know, I think that is kind of getting to know each other on a level playing field like culinary school. Yeah, and honestly, like it was changing before we got out because there are people like Jenny Coco and Mike Rhodes and Glenn Wheeler that were there before us and they were the first ones to be like you got to go over to the Doubletree Hotel and try Mike Rhodes's cream sauce or whatever and you got to go to Wheeler's and try his boneless chicken wings and so that's where it kind of started and then I feel like our generation just kind of took it and we're like yeah this is fun it's way better and we were also mentored by those guys yeah Mm -hmm. you know and you see that reflected in your social media posts now. I mean, when you guys go and get staff meal from another restaurant, whether it's, you know, Via Farina, Muchachos, you guys just did a uh, shout-out post for camp the other day. I think that that's really cool, and it's really important to show people that this isn't just – I mean, yes, there's still some level of competition between restaurants, but it's more – it's become more collaborative. It's more of a community, and I think – I think, honestly, for as awful as COVID was, I think COVID kind of helped that shift a little bit too and that everyone was struggling. So it became less of, you know, let's talk about how great our restaurant is versus someone else where it was just like, just come out to eat. Yeah. Please come out to eat at at, at any of our places. We want to make you happy. We want to feed you. Is there any truth to that or am I grasping at straws? I I mean, you just gave COVID credit for... (laughs) 
like helping the culinary <laughs> Dylan wipe that. <laughs> no, I think I think you're right because we were it was like it leveled everybody. It didn't matter how how good you were doing or how slow you were. We all had to figure stuff out and we had to do it really fast. And you wanted everyone to succeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think it definitely like it, yeah, I know during it we were like please like come get some food. But don't forget about the place around the corner. Don't forget about this place in Benson because, you know, we were all just like all all the restaurant owners for two years straight. We just walked around with our eyes like, what are we going to do here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was terrifying. So, yeah, I think it kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. And we were all like, whatever we got to do to help each other out. Mm-hmm. Now, on that last podcast, you guys told a, a few stories about how you you had this group, you know, that you'd kind of formed this special bond with of these different cooks and chefs. And after hours, they would come down to Block 16 and just, like, almost have, like, mini parties, maybe not even mini. <laughs> oh, yeah. How, like, how special is it to have that bond of people in an industry that, I mean, you know, I can't imagine, like, any other industry where that would happen, where there's people from all different companies that are competing during mm-hmm. the day for business, but then at night they're coming together and, like, celebrating one another. How unique is that? It was awesome, yeah, it was and it, it needed to happen. I, it really did, and it just it started out very simple. Like, we were just doing, like, we had, like, hot dogs and foie gras and People brought their or own something. coolers and, or Yeah, and we just, whatever, like, called bottle. Kulik over at the boiler room, and we're like, hey you guys want to get drunk tonight? And they're like, yeah, we close at two <laughs> or whatever. Right. And so we would just like, everyone, you know, we just cook and just drink and, and it just, it grew in like tiny little block 16. And we'd million. wince. I mean, we'd wince about negative reviews and funny, yeah, we'd all, funny things going on yeah. in the industry, you know. Yeah, good time to just, you know, blow some steam off. Right. But I can't even imagine doing that now. I'm in like nap age at this point. So I, don't, like, I, don't, I almost fell asleep before I came here. Uh, but yeah, it used to, it was, it was awesome. And it was just cool to like, people just started showing up that like, weren't, were never not invited, but we didn't know them. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, the guys from M's Pub are coming. Oh, the, you know, whatever the guys from Okran are coming out, and it just like all oh, of a sudden we like got when to be Kane friends. first started coming, we're like, are yeah, you Kane was old like seven years old, here? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kane, who's like one of the best chefs at home on now, he was like this big. And each show, we're like, oh my god, like, we're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we we're running down on time here, but there's something else that I have to ask you guys about because we mentioned you were huge fans of Alton Brown before he came to the restaurant, yeah. and obviously that hasn't decreased at all since he got in a little bit of hot water with with omaha and nebraska in general a a couple months ago with his chili and cinnamon rolls take yeah so if anyone doesn't know what i'm talking about he was doing a a tour of i think it was good eats live and he heard of the chili and cinnamon roll combo that's so beloved here and alton is someone who likes to experience lots of different culinary experiences especially regional things so he's like i'm gonna try it so he went to Runza, picked up the combo, and posted his experience on Twitter. Now, I've never seen anyone eat chili and cinnamon rolls like this. He just took a spoonful of the chili, dumped it on the top of the cinnamon roll, ate it, and he's filling himself the whole time. He kind of makes a face and then just puts his spoon down and shuts the camera off and didn't say anything. <laughs> Clearly did not love it, and Nebraskans just 
roasted him about how that's not how you eat chili and cinnamon rolls and how dare he and why is he going to Runza and doing that? He should go somewhere real and get it. So he had a couple of, I don't think he cares what we all think. But anyway, did you guys see that video and what did you think of Alton's chili and cinnamon rolls take? I did not see it. I saw it because I was made aware of it a, a million times over. And for one, like, you should never post anything on Twitter Ever. No, nope. <laughs> I mean, all of the like meanest people Exist join forces <laughs> on Twitter. Like, one, I'll just be real quick here. No, one go time, for it. I made a joke, and I just all I do is I just I put it on Facebook, copy paste it on Twitter, and I did that, and it was like, I it was funny, but mm. I just didn't think about it. I posted it, and then I went home, and we like camped with our kids and like played outside and did all this stuff, and then I went on the next morning. And I went to post a special and I had like 3,000 comments and there were like 50 people that were going back and like, I can't believe he made that joke. Look at this guy. Now he won't even stick up for himself. And they're like tagging me. And I'm like, no, like I just went outside and I wasn't on my phone all day. But that, so yeah, I don't think he should have posted anything on Twitter. And I also, I found the whole thing like silly that if anyone took more than like 30 seconds out of their day to like trash somebody because they didn't eat the way you want them to eat. That's where, like, the internet is, like, such a double-edged sword. Like, it's helped us so much, but I also, it, it beats you up after a while. You know what I mean? Of just, like, there's that many miserable people out there that are that upset about him pouring chili over a cinnamon roll. At least he tried it. He did try it. <laughs> I don't think he'll try it again. I don't think, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested because we've got two culinary professionals here. Uh, one from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. One, not from the Midwest. And chili and cinnamon rolls tends to be one of those things where if you're from here, you love it and you will stick up for it. And if you're not from here, you're just like, what? This makes no sense. What is this? Where do you guys stand on chili and cinnamon rolls as a combo? I've never tried it. Well, you have. Because did? we did do a chili and cinnamon rolls burger years ago. But I don't know that I ate it. You probably ate it. And it wasn't that long ago because Ellie Pegler at Farina and Four made us the cinnamon rolls. We cut them in half, and then we made, like, a chili burger. And yeah, but that's different. Than- yeah, and see, I grew up here, and I didn't know it was a thing. Oh, I didn't, really? Up until, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago until everyone lost their minds over Alton Brown eating it wrong. And, <laughs> I, yeah, so we had done a chili and cinnamon rolls burger because I was like, oh, well, we have to now that I know it's a thing. And, I mean... Do you dip it? You rip off a piece of the, of I think the you cinnamon just eat roll it with and dip it, right? it? It's like an accompaniment. I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Generally, when I eat it, I don't like eat it together. Like, okay. I'll just take a bite of one and have a bite of the other. I've seen people I do it. I've seen people like rip it apart yeah, and use it as like croutons or to dip. Like, see, so why aren't you blasting them on Twitter? What? Why aren't you blasting them on Twitter? Like I, that, I'm saying. Like, no, okay, I see what you're saying. Yes, <laughs> be, because all these random people who eat it yeah, weird yeah, don't yeah. have. I don't know how many million followers right, Alton has, yeah, yeah. but but you're totally right. Those same people eat it like monsters too. Well, that's just, yeah. Like I've always assumed, like you just eat the chili and then you take a bite of the cinnamon roll, so it's like sweet and salty. But right. I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean that that's what I've always done, but I guess you can eat it however you want. Yeah, because you don't want to like hollow out the cinnamon roll because all the good stuff is in the middle. Like, right. Pour the chili in that. Yeah, like a bread bowl. Like a bread bowl. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't want to do that. Yeah. But I think the number one lesson, the only wrong way to eat it is to post it on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. 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 Very good. Okay. One more question for you guys. And this is a question that I like to ask just about every guest that I have on the episode because I think it gives, it really helps us as diners 
learn and I hope become better diners. And I was not asking this question when I had you guys on last time, so I'm curious to get your answers now. What is one thing that you think most diners, most people who come into a restaurant that have not spent time in the restaurant industry don't understand about restaurant life that you wish they did understand? I mean, we're all human. Yeah. That we really just want you to be happy. Yeah. And, I mean, that's just it. Like, that's why we do it. No one, like... Even the server, like the servers, like, they're we're all human and they they want you to have a good experience. Yeah, like, there's a lot of us that are jaded and, you know, you don't... Maybe you don't project that type of energy, but really, like, there's a lot of other jobs out there that pay a lot more than being a line cook or a server. But even if someone's complaining about their job, we love it and we want you to be happy. And like, we, and we want you to say something if it's like, yes. if it's not good and you say know, something. Yeah, say right something then and there. don't be shy about it. Yeah, don't go home and pound away on your keyboard <laughs> when like you have the opportunity to say, no, I didn't like this. Cause we will, we've, we will always make it right. If you come to us like like a grown up, we we've even. I mean, we've even. Well, there's part of the problem right there. People have to act like grown ups in public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we've even we've had people. We had a woman that was so upset with us one time. I, it was over a salad or something like. But she was like shaking mad to the point where like I was like I will do anything. I will buy you a gift card to another restaurant because I know you don't ever want to come back here. And she was like, I want a $50 gift card to Lone Star. And I was like, it's done. I bought her a gift card to Lone Star because I don't want anyone. She, at least she talked to us about it, even though she was irrational (laughs) and Lone Star, but you know, (laughs) but like sometimes like say the kitchen would make a mistake. Say you're training somebody new and they put too much salt in your gravy and you eat the gravy and it's inedible and it's super salty well, we may not know that. Maybe we didn't taste it ourselves. And so as a diner, if you're eating something and it's like, well, this is like frightening, like wrong, then just say something because then the kitchen will be aware of it and there won't be like 50 other people that have this horrible salty gravy and it can be fixed. Mm-hmm. And we genuinely want to make you happy. Yeah, yeah. We really don't want anyone to leave unhappy. We don't. I mean, so I guess that's about, that's a long, another long answer. <laughs> When you look back at your careers and what Block 16 has become and what you've transformed and, and this, this family, you know, that you've built there with, the family that you built outside and the family that you built there with, you know, this team of cooks that you're so proud of, looking back at your whole career, like, what, what brings you the most joy? Like, what, what's just overall, like, when you think about your career, how what's most memorable? What, what brings you the most joy? However you want to take that question. That's a tough one. I mean, personally, like mine is that we have a family and we have children and we're actually able to spend time with them. Like that really, like I said, I just, I literally never thought that would be a possibility like that. And so just, yeah, the fact that we now live, you know, like we get, when we're about 10 minutes away from our house, we lose all phone reception and it's just peace and quiet, and we go home, and we're just this little family on a farm. And it's like, how did they? Like, we have health insurance. I mean, and we're still doing what amazing. we love. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like we did have some hardships, and and um, and I had hardships before that, and and just to just to be here and to have such a following, and you know, um, it's crazy, and it's it's also awesome because we still love going to work. 
So that's pretty cool, I guess. Well, I just want to thank you guys so much for, for going through this struggle early on, for pushing through, for persevering, because you have created not only just one of Omaha's most special restaurants, I think, but one that's like a part of the culinary backbone. And it was, it was such a joy for me, even when I was just another guy on Twitter who was tweeting at you all the time. Sorry. But <laughs> we it, loved it. It, it. it was a joy for me just to enjoy your food. But as I've gotten a chance to know you guys, you know, outside and even become friends, like it, you honestly like inspire me, not just as, not just to expand my palate and, you know, become better culinary, but you've made me think about like what it looks like to be a parent, what it looks like to be a spouse. I mean, you guys truly are an inspiration to so, so many people, both inside and outside the restaurant industry. Thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you for coming out and doing wow. this tonight. This is incredible. Really nice. Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> thank you, Dan. You make us cry. Um, that, was, well, that was the goal. That is back at you. We've really enjoyed getting to know you and Sarah so much. And uh, you guys are great. And, um, and it's, no, it's, it's been a, it's been a, a wild ride and, and uh, really cool getting to know you guys. So. You. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.